0: Welcome back, listeners to the Utah Shakespeare Festivals play on podcast I'm your host, Josh Davros. Today, we sit down with our talented musicians from the two gentlemen of Verona, Samuel Klein, Brett Gardner, and Natasha Harris. Sam plays accordion and guitar in the two gentlemen of Verona. This is his fourth season at the festival. He was our music director and band leader for Twelfth Night, keyboard and associate conductor for Into the Woods, music director and keyboards in Peter and the Starcatcher, and conductor for The Marvelous Wonderettes. He also played keyboard, was associate conductor in Anything Goes, and keyboard for Les Mis. Sam has worked at the Sacramento Music Circus, Montana Shakespeare in the Parks, Alhambra Theater, Sacramento Theater Company, where he's the resident music director, Missouri Street Theater, Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra, AIM Management, and Emma Concert Association. Sam is also a part of the American Federation of Musicians, American Mensa, and Mensa International. Brett is playing guitar in Two Gents. This is Brett's first season at the festival, and he is the ASTA runner-up national champion for classical guitar and state champion of Florida. Brett also has a BS in physics from Florida State University. Natasha plays... A whole bunch of different instruments in Two Gents. She's played Bianca in Taming of the Shrew and Ensign Dinah Murphy in South Pacific this season. This is Natasha's third season at the festival, and last season she played Florinda in Into the Woods, Juliet in Measure for Measure, and was in the ensemble for Henry IV Part One. You will also have seen her in The Green Show as a featured performer and angel in Anything Goes in 2013. Natasha has performed at other theaters, such as La Mirada, Pacific Conservatory of the Performing Arts, Performance Riverside, Musical Theater West, and Morgan Wixon Theater. She currently teaches TAP at PCPA. <laughs> All right, we are here with the Outlaws, the uh, the scrappy band, uh, uh, the ensemble players from uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival this fall season. Uh, we're here with Sam, Natasha, and Brett. Welcome, guys. We're glad you're here.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you, Josh.
2: <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs>
0: uh, so before we get into uh, the music itself, if you guys, ca- let's just kind of go down the line. Uh, Sam, we'll start with you. Talk a little bit about your background, what... Uh, brought you to the Shakespeare Festival, and, uh, and how, why you're here, how you're here. Thanks for asking, Josh.
3: Uh, I started at the Utah Shakespeare Fe- Festival in uh, 2012, uh, playing in the band for Les Mis. Uh, and since then, it's been, I've had so many more opportunities here, uh, doing Peter and the Star Catcher, Anything Goes, The Marvelous Wonderettes, Into the Woods, uh, some others I can't remember right now, Twelfth Night, and this fabulous show this fall, Two Gentlemen of Verona. Uh, I'm a classically trained pianist. And I got into musical theater in my teens, and I work in musical theater professionally now. I'm the resident music director at the Sacramento Theater Company, and I'm based out of Northern California. And this is actually the first time I've ever played accordion or guitar in a show. So uh, I'm really excited to be here for this project. It's just so unique and a really fantastic experience.
0: Cool. Natasha, you've been an actor at the festival I for sure many have. for many seasons. Uh, A musician as well. Yeah. A quadruple threat, even. (laughs)
1: um, (laughs) There was a hair flip in there. You can't see it, but it was there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm as crazy skilled as these cats next to me, but I I do have the ability to play a tremendous amount of instruments, so that was my my kind of shoe-in, I think. Um, uh, They actually, uh, Brian Vaughn, came up to me, I was holding my guitar, <laughs> and he came up to me mid-summer season and said, Hey, do you play guitar? <laughs> and I said, Why, yes, I do. I'm As a matter of fact. holding it at this moment. Uh, which actually didn't end up, I'm not playing a guitar in the show. I uh, play the mandolin, the flute, the snare drum, and a mix of tambourine, a shaker, things like that. Uh, a bunch of percussion. Um, but I got, I started, I came here to the festival in 2013. I was in the Green Show, what, what? Ooh. And uh, Anything Goes. And then the last year I was in Into the Woods, Measure for Measure, and Henry IV Part One. And this year I was in Taming of the Shrew and South Pacific. And now I'm now, a musician. Now a musician, <laughs> actor, and two gents. That's right. So I started here dancing, singing, and playing instruments in the Green Show. And uh, kind of full circle, now I'm playing instruments again. So,
0: cool. Yeah. And Brett, this is your first time here in Cedar City.
2: Yes, this is. Uh, what brought you? Uh, how did How did you get here? Okay, so the story goes: I'm in my living room in Florida, packing up everything I own to move to New Orleans. I was going to move to New Orleans on the what was it? The first of September. When I get this phone call from Sam Klein over here. And he says, hey, I have a proposition for you. you. Come play some jazz guitar for a theater company in Utah. And my first reaction was, no, I got to go. I'm on my way to New Orleans. I am literally trying to move to New Orleans right now. But the more, the more he talked about it, he was very persistent and uh, convincing. But this is definitely a very professional company in a beautiful part of the country. And I'm happy to be here. I feel like it's a a little detour from God where he said, why don't you hone your skills a little more, take some time to relax, nice vacation in Utah. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm here. Good.
0: <laughs> You're the classical guitarist of the group. Uh, what, what led you to the guitar? Is that Have you all played from a very young age? What, uh, what brought you here?
2: Let's see. Since, since middle school, I've studied classical guitar, jazz guitar and I've performed rock and roll, punk rock all of that but I've just had a deep curiosity for different styles of music and more recently been getting into this style of guitar known as gypsy guitar popularized and invented by Django Reinhardt in about the, the 1920s uh-huh. and that happens to be the exact style of music that the show is based off of. So John Jorgensen wrote a lot of this music. Actually almost all of the music that we perform in the show. Uh-huh. He's definitely a fanatic of Django Reinhardt and tries to imitate his style and add his own thing. So I'm not sure what the original question was. <laughs> but you 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 got there and you uh
0: An upcoming podcast with sound designer Brad Barridge, who uh, worked on both Dracula and Two Gents, will talk more about the sort of genesis of how that got together. Uh, But from your perspective, uh, coming together as a group, having worked, some of you having worked together uh, in certain ways or another, obviously, Sam, uh, sort of the connection here for you, Brett, and him. Uh, Talk about the process of taking that Gypsy Jazz. Uh, and these songs, and making them work in a theatrical production.
3: That's a great thing to talk about, Josh. So, at the beginning of the process, our sound designer, Brad Barrage, introduced us uh, to some of this music by John Jorgensen. He said, uh, this is what we're inspired by, this is what we want, what we want to go with. Um, I just want to dovetail for a second and just say how serendipitous that that was exactly what Brett was getting into at the time when we found his name and, and gave him a call, and I wasn't really even specifically aware of how appropriate he was for the style. So I just thought it was like, uh, yeah, extremely fortunate to have that come about. So in the process, preliminarily, we're listening to all these tracks, we're really getting into it, and we're trying to select the the tracks that we feel would be most appropriate for the show. And uh, a really, really important facet of the show is that it takes two, it plays in two different locations: Verona. And Milan. Milan, as we pronounce it in the show. And we really wanted to differentiate between those two locations. Uh, Verona being sort of you know, the quaint Alpine city, and M- Milan being a little bit more cosmopolitan right after World War I. A lot of new ideas are being introduced, and it's a bigger place. So we toyed with finding some tunes that we could contrast those two locations with. We do it uh, melodically, and we also do it instrumentally. Uh, we generally have the accordion playing the melody when we're in Verona to sort of simulate that more old-style feel. And then when we go to the more cosmopolitan city of Milan, we, uh, we uh, turn into having some more jazz guitar lead there. So it was just, you know, from the beginning of the process, it was finding what tunes was appropriate. And my favorite part of rehearsal was playing these songs and we had about five billion instruments in front of us, Natasha having most of them, (laughs) and saying, hey, would this sound good here? Who should take the lead there? Maybe we'll try claves here, or how about some cymbal here? Or, hey, let's try it completely turned around. So it was just, it was a really fluid and organic process that changed up until our first
0: preview, really. That's so cool. Uh, It was great. Arrangement on the fly as you go. Have you... Done anything like this before, Natasha? Worked on a show like this or a part of a production like this?
1: Not, not like this. the The last time I did music in a show, apart from the Green Show, and I guess I've you know I played very little of the lute this summer, and last year I played the harp for the first time. Um, But this is this is a pretty new experience for me. I, I played the flute in a kind of concert version of. The Music Man in college, um, and that was pretty much the last time I've I've used my musical uh, skills in a, music skills in a in a show. Uh, so this was terrifying for me, um, especially super intimidated by the the men next to me. They've got. Crazy skills. Um, <laughs> however, that being said, they were very welcoming, and they allowed me to play just as much as they were playing with the tune um, and would give me suggestions. Since I had never played a snare drum before, uh, <laughs> one of the very first emails that were, was sent before I even met Brett, he was like, Natasha, how are your jazz players? Uh, Chops. Jazz chops. <laughs> and I didn't even respond to the email. I was so terrified. I was like, oh no, they know. They know I don't know what I'm doing. Oh no. So I just <laughs> silently. Uh, but in your
2: defense, you picked it up quicker than I've seen anybody pick it up. Yeah, the intuition was just fantastic. Totally. And you that. got your nickname, Slide Sister.
1: That's right. Slide Sister. They all have sister. nicknames in the show. He's the man of mystery. Samwise. Samwise. I'm Samwise. Because right, yes. we have a, a song uh, "Valse de Samois, Uh so we've been calling it Samwise, and he's Samwise.
3: <laughs> you know, for both Natasha and us, we're both playing not our first or second instruments. Really, we're we're really out of our comfort zone on this one. Uh, though I do have a bit of experience, you know, kind of doing this on stage music and random orchestrations. I have very little experience at the instruments I'm playing, so. We both just kind of learned as we went, and I think we're just fortunate to have the talent to, to sort of pick up and roll with it, and just you know, even if we're unconfident at first, you just you just go for it, you
0: know. Well, it speaks so gr- it speaks so much to your talent and experience, whether or not you've had experience in this thing directly, that you can just get together and sort of jump into the concept and the idea and make something amazing and unique happen. I, I know last fall, Sam, you worked on the. Uh, the saltwater. You worked with the saltwater thieves, which was the, uh, the the on-stage band in Twelfth Night. Correct. And that was different in from this in that you guys created all that music as part of the process. Correct. You actually was worked with the composer in process. Uh,
3: yes, for Twelfth Night, there there's so many differences between that. You know, the one similarity is that it's on-stage music for a Shakespeare show, and it pretty much ends there. Our uh, sound designer composed most of the vocal tunes. Um, it, but it was left up to the band to find inspiration, which we love that responsibility of most of our scene change, incidental music, on stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, your little sis Hillary yep, yep. Uh, came up with actually most of it. And, uh, our guitarist and accordionist Maggie came up with stuff too. And I tried to throw out a couple of creative ideas here and there. And we were also, we weren't running around like we do in two gents. We, we aren't. We weren't acting in parts, going on and off stage, making different entrances, doing blocking. We were just sitting in the above as the ever-present onstage band. So it was it was fantastic. It was just different.
0: Good. I'm, I actually, I, that's partly why I brought it, brought it up. I wanted to make clear that there is a distinction. that This isn't just a retread or something sort of one-off of what was done last year. That was its own thing with its own purpose and, and goal artistically. And this is something else entirely and very, very exciting. Uh. So, Brett, I'm wondering if you could sort of talk to us about what makes Gypsy Jazz Gypsy Jazz. What, what sort of identi- art- identifies it as being what it is?
2: Let's see. One thing that's very important is the rhythm that kind of drives the song. And most Gypsy Jazz songs will have a guitar player doing something they call La Pont, mm-hmm, I believe. I think you uh, should show us, Brett. Yeah, yeah. More you
0: you brought your guitar with you, uh, which <laughs> we're very grateful for. So, uh, let's. Really cool
2: pick. So this is something they call the music and the mute. So you have the music, and then the mute. So then, music mute. You have, you know, different tempos. Let's see. So that rhythm really drives a lot of these songs. And one challenging point that came up to us was how how is Sam going to play the music and the mute on the accordion? <laughs> yes, that was yeah.
3: that was something difficult to figure out. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, we just sort of we just sort of experimenting trying to create as an authentic of a sound as possible when the inspiration we were given really has a vastly different instrumentation. There's almost always two guitars, one person doing uh the, it, the chunkity chunk. Chunkety chunk, if you will. <laughs> in colloquial <Caluguel> terms. <laughs> and then with the other guitarist playing the lead solo lines. Maybe you could demonstrate something like sure. that.
2: So the fellow Django Reinhardt that invented this style of guitar playing. He, unfortunately, lost the use of his ring and pinky finger in a fire. He was a a real gypsy. He lived in a caravan. His caravan set on fire, and he lost the use of those fingers. So that is one technical thing that only a guitar player might understand of what that means for a soloist.
3: But let's
2: see. I don't know how many
0: fingers I used there. (laughs) I was trying to keep track, and they were blurring, so I couldn't see. Yeah. Fourteen fingers. (laughs) there's, There's a lot
2: of these little flourishes. Some nice vibrato faster things, arpeggios. So a lot of the times in the show, especially before the show and in during intermission, we have to just play like we're a band because we are a real band to the audience. Huh. And we're busking, we're trying to make a livelihood, so we're improvising a lot of the music. So that's where it definitely helped me to... Have studied what these musicians play stylistically, so I'm not up there playing my Led Zeppelin
3: (laughs) (laughs) riffs over. No stairway, (laughs) yeah, freebirds. So so yeah, that was the biggest challenge was finding a way to emulate um, emulate that with with the accordion, and we just you know kind of accomplished it different ways. A couple times, I just said. You know what? I'm just I'm just gonna play guitar too, <laughs> yeah. and, and and that worked out pretty well, uh, and we tried to make that a contrast. In Verona, it's more accordion, and then in in Millen, I pick up the guitar, and I'm uh, I'm the chunkety chunker. Well, Brett's playing the lead lines, and Natasha's rocking out on the snare drum. <music>
0: Just then, that's—I mean, this is amazing. Um, you are at times the band busking, filling in through, going in and out of intermission songs as though it were a concert. Other times, you're filling in transitions, moving between scenes, and that's not necessarily timed or arranged for a song. You know, some of them are very short, some of them are very long. How did you work? What was the process like working with each other, with the director, and so forth, figuring out how you would take these concert songs or these these gypsy songs and turn them into a 14 second transition or a 2 minute transition or It was or such whatever. a
1: collaboration really it was you know between between Sam the music director between Robin the director the sound designer Brad uh, and the actor it was really important for with for Robin to give the actors as much time to discover what this the moment was about so even if it was underscoring what this moment is about so after having the songs picked, we had themes for different people. This one's more of a Julia theme, and this one's a Sylvia theme, and this one's a Millen, and this one, you know. So we had different themes, and then how do we is how do we make this? There are different sections of the the song, so we had uh, stuff that's in minor, and then this goes into more of a major section. So this is a happier thing. So can we put this in a happier moment, or we need to we can't use this in a sadder moment. So we need to. So it was a huge collaboration, and it was it was. You know, within the last two, two, two weeks of the show, of just kind of weaving of, of the rehearsal process, so weaving intentional, it
0: so cl- it's so it's so exciting to hear that it's so intentional with the characterization, with the location, that this isn't just something put over the top of a production no, in terms of a layer. It's it, is, it is is integrated into as everything else, and, and that is so unique.
1: And it's great. We have you know. Sam's with us backstage when we're underscoring, so when I'm playing flute and he's playing the gu- guitar we've got, Sam helping us, guide us through this section of text, so that it's never the same. We're not. I'm not listening to the text, I'm watching him. He's listening to the text, and he's shaping when we should hit this moment of the song, or this is where we're going to end this transition. So we have to really stay kind of a really hyper-aware of what's going on without him saying and oh you know can't uh, Natasha
3: this is a podcast they didn't see your hand motion.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry he didn't end with a what do you call that I don't even know what you call
3: and that. our our what? you know our, our fourth band mate uh, Nick Mickelson just does a fantastic job he's uh his name is Giuseppe and he's our band manager and our busker for us mm-hmm. and he just does a fantastic job often he's on double duty uh, moving some set pieces, but he's the one who guides us on and off the stage, tells us where to go, because I'm telling you, it is really hard to play guitar, accordion, and drums and walk up and down stairs. (laughs) And also (laughs) look at, not only look at where you're going when you can't see your feet, but look at when the lights are coming up and when the actors are coming out and what the set pieces are moved. So he's really guiding us along there. And um, he just does an, an excellent job. And I think as much as when I conduct the, some of the monologue underscores backstage, helping to shape that music uh, depending on how they're delivering the text, Nick does the same thing depending on how they're making the scene transition, how the lights are coming up, and he helps guide us in that. So it's, it's really valuable to have him as well.
0: Awesome. So if you had to pick sort of, you know, you've talked about the two worlds of the play, these two towns, Verona and Milan. Uh, what song sort of personifies Verona for you? What's the sort of Verona theme? Uh, what does it sound like?
3: I think that would be the snowflake waltz. That's, that's what kind of strikes at me. Uh, we, start, we start that song as an underscore, and then when uh, Nick is doing the curtain speech, we sort of swell into that to really establish the scene. And what's really fantastic is that we echo it several times later. Uh, We underscore, you know, Proteus in that tune. And then way later in the show, you hear this echo going back to Verona using that exact same theme in some of the very important Julia monologues uh, near the end of the show. And especially her very uh, final moment with Proteus as well. So it really, I think it all wraps it up and brings it back to where they came from. Uh, but with all these changes that have happened in, uh, in their lives, so it's more of a melancholy echo. Doesn't mm-hmm. have the same upbeat nature to it at, at the beginning, but it, it's really reminiscent of, you know, their past together. And I beautiful
1: feel. marrying of the two worlds with where we start with an <coughs> accordion and a guitar at the beginning, and we end with two guitars uh, playing the same thing theme. So
0: cool. And how about Millen? What sort of what what song in your sort of personifies Millen
2: what do you think I think it would be the Bossa Orpheum agreed
3: I think we all think that the first time you travel they travel to Millen there's a long scene changing we just rock out this amazing yeah. song and it's just uh, Brett in the in the words of Brett Gardner yo we were cooking just now <laughs> <laughs> That's but yeah, we love that tune, and every time we go to Millen, we're out there, energetic. We're in a bigger city, and and character-wise, we're thinking that okay, we're making a living playing music in this show, and we uh, we're so excited to be in this bigger place with more opportunity, uh, despite the various characters that we meet along the way. Uh, so we just get out there. We're going to Millen. We're going to the big city, and we're excited, and we play this amazing song, and. Uh, we echo it several times in the show every time we travel to that lo- back to that location. So I feel it's very iconic for that.
0: So cool. I have worked at the Shakespeare Festival for 14 years, and I can safely say that I have never seen or experienced a production that uses music quite like this. This is one of a kind, and I'm so excited to be here to see you doing it. Uh, talk about now, sort of switching gears from thinking of purely musically, to the, the world of the play. Two Gentlemen of Verona is not a play that's often done. Uh, as far as Shakespeare comedies go. We've done it a few times at the festival. Uh, what's it like to sort of take looking at this different look of this play, thinking about it from sort of the bigger picture?
1: It has one of the most... Uh, it has the trickiest ending <laughs> of most any of his pieces. Um, and, you know, you can have a really great time and get to the end and be so mad at how it ends. Um, however, the way... And I, I give kudos to Robin for really giving the actors the most breathing room to find and shape the ending, and I'm not going to reveal it, uh, but it's a, it that, all the hard work and the playfulness at the beginning g- gives them the right to have the ending we have. Um, and I think that's unique because we, although we do play the comedy and there are fun moments, there is a lot of, Real reality to it, um, and weight to it that that I I think is unique to our production. Um, and then on top of that, to have this interwoven music that even if you're not getting that Samoa is the theme of Julia, you're still going on a on a journey subconsciously. Um, so there's so many layers to this production that make this different and, and a, set, a, you know, set apart from...
3: That's a really good point. It's A, a lot of audience members just watching the show won't realize that there is a specific theme for a character. They will just start to automatically associate that mm-hmm. and it'll just bring them into the world and it'll connect them more to with the character without them even realizing that part of it is because of the specific lighting or the specific music that this character has. So that's
0: really wonderful. It's totally. And especially when you think about it in terms of, com- you know, so often theater gets compared to film. And that those kind of things happen in a film score without anybody batting an eyelash. It's just assumed that will happen. And not every theatrical production do- that doesn't work out the same way in every theatrical production. And the fact that that's, such care has been taken and is really indicative and really cool, I think, for our audiences to see and feel that next level of character connection, not just through the set, not just through the acting and the costumes, but also the music and the sound.
3: It's all my training in Wagnerian leaf motifs. (laughs) Boom. Thanks, Ricard. Uh,
0: Cool. Well, the only other... I have have two more questions for Brett, actually. Uh, Looking at your bio, we saw that you have a BS in physics from Florida State. Yes, I do. What? Not very many... uh, I I don't think I can pick out very many... uh, other actor musicians at the festival with uh, a straight science background. Talk about why why physics. What why do you like physics?
2: Well, as a child, I loved math and I loved building blocks, connects, and Legos. And how so does that's my answer? <laughs> well, and how, and how do you how do you
0: feel the two sort of two parts of you? This professional academic part that studied physics at Florida State, and this clearly professional musician passion part of you. How do those two interact?
2: Well, physics taught me a lot about about how things work and how how much depth there is in understanding something, even to the point it's it's asinine almost. But I'd just say it's a good balance. I needed that in my life and I still look at life probably more as a physicist than a musician. I love building instruments, figuring out how they work. But they just complement each other.
1: How much math goes into music, too. Um. Yeah, <laughs> and you
2: don't have to think about it. There is a certain zen to it where you want to learn everything you can just so you can forget it. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. and then let it all
0: sort of mash together in yeah. the symphony of the universe. Uh, that's deep man totally uh, so then my last question is uh, after you're done here you're headed off to New Orleans
2: yep for better or for worse
0: well we we'll, we'll just want to make sure that we keep your contact info so when oh yes we, uh, we want to when you're a, we can say we knew you when when you're a famous musician in New Orleans we'll, either we'll come see you or can when you're on you know
2: or maybe you know. I'll be back here you know every year if I'm invited we'll see oh man how life I'd invite you. the 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 green
0: show director corner of my brain is going course. crazy right now. <laughs> yeah. if I can just say that so uh cool. well, thank you so much for your time. We've loved having this chance to visit with you. uh two gentlemen of Verona plays through the end of October at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Information can be found at bard.org. and uh we're excited to we'll we'll head out with uh one of the tunes that they just talked about so thank you
3: uh Josh, can you please let the record show that we all just high fived
0: yes. You heard it here, folks. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on our festival webpage. Check out the latest episode released every Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2015 season.